Hey there, and welcome to Journey Drinkers Podcast. My name is Masik Togrik, and thank you for tuning in. Journey Drinkers is a place for like-minded whiskey drinkers to come together and share our passion for the spirit and to develop whiskey stewardship. We will sample our way through the best and worst of whiskeys through blind taste testing to see if we have what it takes to maintain an objective reality based on what's in our glasses. Join me on my journey to find the best pours, stories, and friendships that whiskey can make. This is Journey Drinkers. What's going on, guys? It's your boy Mossick reporting in from the Igloo here uh, in Lexington, Kentucky. Thank you all for joining us today. Today, I have a really special guest uh, calling in from New York. We have a Mr. Rich Cummins. He is the director of coffee for Giorgio's Coffee Roasters in Farmingdale, New York. I've been rocking these guys' coffee for, Lord, a year and a half or so. Uh, and I also have uh, Mr. Mister Charlie here in the studio with me. He's been he, really the one that introduced me to the brand and got me hooked, man. There's no other way to, to explain it. I've, I've been a coffee snob, I think, for... Um, for, for a couple years, going on three years there, I really stepped up the game here lately with an espresso machine trying to make lattes and fucking up a lot of latte art and sometimes hitting a hitting a good one here and there. You know, blind squirrel finds a nut. But uh, we pulled a shot for, for Charlie with a new Ethiopian uh, espresso shot, and then he's, he's sipping on a latte here. Uh, but thank you guys for joining me, man. Um, it's, it's, it's an honor and a pleasure to have you guys. Excited to be here. Yeah, Thank man. you for uh, th- thanks for having us on. So, Rich, as the director of coffee at Giorgio's, man, you guys, you, you're bearing a bunch of weight on your shoulders here. Um, you got a lot of great beans coming into the into the shop. You have also Giorgio, who's running the the probat machine that you guys have. You want to exp- explain a little bit about uh, what you do there and how you keep the the ship afloat? Um, yeah, sure. So. Um, I- I guess I'll start, um, my journey started as a barista and that's kind of how I found my way into Giorgio's. Um, and then I kind of worked under him for the last maybe six or seven years. Um, as you know, uh, basically just apprenticing, I guess you could say, while also running the front of house. And lately I've, you know, transitioned more to back of house doing roasting, uh, cupping, sourcing, all that kind of stuff. Um, so, you know, we're, we're a small operation, so we all wear many hats. Um, but in terms of like the, the coffee part of it, it's really a lot of, uh, reaching out through the network that Giorgio's established and I'm continuing of, uh, farmers and importers and people that we work with to, um, you know, source the highest quality coffees to try to pay, uh, prices that are sustainable and that make, you know, the people who grow these coffees want to keep doing it into the future um and the idea is that you'll you know you taste their hard work in the cup um so people who put a lot of time and care into uh what they do it you know it shows in the coffee that you drink for sure man yeah i've I've had nothing but great experiences from from what you guys produce i'm sure it's got to be a challenge balancing uh what's available what you guys can get uh versus versus uh you know uh, what you can produce with 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 your probat machine. Speaking of that, that iconic probat machine, man, that thing is it's beautiful. I love I love seeing you guys roast. I love seeing you guys checking checking the the the, the beans and then the dump. Uh, every everything about that is 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 really cool to me. Uh, I'm not a roaster per se at all ever. I've never roasted. I just leave it up to the professionals like you guys. <laughs> but it seems like you guys got a really rad piece of equipment. Where did, uh, Charlie said it came from Germany then. Yeah, um, we don't know the exact year, but I'm going to say it's like late 80s, early 90s. Um, and it's It's got a full cast iron drum, so you have to warm it up really slow. Um, and then it kind of absorbs all that heat, almost like a you know cast iron pan on the stove. And wow. it's, those are the best to, to cook your steaks with. Same thing with coffee. Um, it just, you know, you build up all that conductive heat, and then it just gives you like a nice, consistent um, heat application. Um, so you get like repeatable results and can really fine tune what you're doing. That's really rad. I love that you guys are taking that, that craft approach to it. And I was, t- I was talking to Charlie a little bit last night. I, I want to see you guys grow. I want to see you guys take over the coffee world here, but at the same time, I kind of don't cause you guys are killing it. 
I went and 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 had a few. I'm not going to name of other roasters or other other companies that are doing it, but some some really top name names out there in coffee, and you guys consistently are not only competitive but smack them around in a lot of ways, man. I mean, pricing, availability, the consistency. Uh, I'm not just saying this. I'm not just tooting your own your horn here, man. I mean, the proof's in the pudding. You guys are nailing it. Thank you. Um, so. Um- let, yeah, I, I keep trying to get ahead of myself a little bit. So you started as a barista, um, and you've been working under Giorgio. Tell us a little bit about Giorgio, man. What's uh, what's it, what's his story? Ooh, uh, Giorgio is one of a kind. He he is a classic, old school New York character. Um, you only find people like him in New York. I'll say that. Right on. Um, he, you know, my brief summary of. Um, you know, of his journey with coffee. Um, you know, he, he got into it. There was no such thing as specialty coffee really, you know, and he, he started out as like doing deliveries and stuff like that. Um, and then, you know, just driving trucks in Manhattan and then he wound up taking a job at like a, essentially it was like an office coffee supply company. Um, and I think that like opened his eyes to coffee as a business and, and things like that. And then, before anyone was doing this stuff, he started, you know, he was anywhere he could find a coffee roaster. Like he would travel and go try to talk to them and, and learn and buy green beans. And he started buying and assembling his own roasters and putting different motors on them and different burner systems in them. (laughs) And, um, you know, back, yeah, back then, especially, um, there was no information on really how to do anything. And it was a very like hush hush, like a, like a boys club, like no one wanted you to know their secrets. Mm. And, you know, to me, it's when you don't have much to, <laughs> to share, you yeah. try to hide that, you know, where it's like I, the people in my life I've found when, when you're like really knowledgeable and, and really expert, like you're not afraid of sharing your information because, you know, it's, it's not, no one's going to catch up to you in a way. Right. right. Well, um, rising tides, you know, raise all ships too in that, in that mentality. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I just think there was a lot of that kind of like fear based thinking and every, you know, like he always kind of talks about like Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, like that people trying to steal each other's leads and all this kind of <laughs> stuff. So it, was, it was a very different environment. So they were stealing um, each other's like uh, uh, roasting like styles or are they trying to steal each other's? Yeah, like, really. Sources? I mean, the cut, co- the cost, yeah, the customers, the blend, you know, like 20, what is your like proprietary blend? I mean, we're, this is so old school. Um, and he, you know, so then he really just, like I said, just learned slowly through trial and error, like installed a roaster in his garage and he had it, you know, a, down the block from where he worked and he couldn't tell anyone because, you know, it was like a whole big thing. So he can't, he, um, he, he stayed in the coffee closet for a while. Oh yeah, that especially for back wild. then. What around what time frame was that? Like, when did specialty uh, coffee I'm start gonna, kicking off? Uh, I mean, I guess you could say it was. A, I don't know when it officially, you know, um, but I would say Starbucks kind of started the okay, like the thing where when they they went everywhere and spread the coffee gospel, and that's where people started to realize that gotcha. you know. Yeah. There was more than just like a diner cup of coffee type of thing. Sure. Um, but again, back then everything was like really dark roasts. There was very like minimal transparency on like where the coffees came from, how they were processed even like, you know, just, it was a very uh, archaic system. Sure. And if you were like a roaster trying to do improved quality there, you know, it was like pretty much you would just call whatever importer and say, I need a, a Guatemalan. And then they'd send you two Guatemalans and then you go, okay, I'm going to pick this one. But then year after year and all that kind of stuff, like there was no consistency. So mm-hmm. what's really changed a lot is, um, you know, it started with like a handful of roasters. Um, you know, the bigger ones I can name would, you know, are like counterculture coffee, intelligentsia and Stumptown are like the three that I think of that started that whole like direct trade, uh, trying to find a, you know, a better way of sourcing. And with that came, you know, there's, there's more like smaller importing companies that started that are, you know, basically taking that model because it's, 
it's a lot of risk to take on for a smaller roaster. Yeah. Um, so you, you're able to get like, um, like importers that are providing value rather than, um, just focused on like their own bottom line. Um, so we try to work with those types of importers that we know, like they have relationships with the farmers, they provide support to the farmers and we pay for that, um, work that they do, you know? Right. So it's like, they, they benefit, it's, it, it benefits everyone. So like we get consistent access to the same farms, the same farmers year after year, we have like tons of information on the coffees, how they're, you know, where they're grown, how they're processed, who's growing them, like all the way down to like how many hours it was fermented. And like, you know, you, yeah. there's just so much more detail there. Um, and then at the same time, like they're able to, you know, purchase the entire farm worth of coffee and at <laughs> prices that are good. And then they're able to like, maybe we want the, the top stuff and we're willing to pay more for it. And then maybe the stuff that's like, okay, like that has a home too. And then they find a customer for that. Um, so it kind of helps the farmer where they're not, you know, like they know every year that their coffee is all getting purchased right. and at a fair pricing. And then we know that like, you know, we're, we're happy to pay more for the better quality. And we know that it's, um, you know, being equitable and, and going back to, to where it came from. Absolutely. Man, that's, that sounds so, that sounds so rad. Man, it seemed like a lot of coffee bullying was happening, right? And to, and to be able to weather that and then still maintain that passion throughout, right? It had to have been the mid-90s. I mean, I, I just looked it up. I think Starbucks went public in 92. They were really popular starting in 94. That had to be about the time where where, where Giorgio was holed up in his <laughs> in his garage trying to figure out these beans, you know? Uh, what to you got you started, uh, in, in, in coffee? Like what, so you, you, you just wanted to have a job as a barista or did you have a passion for coffee coming into it, uh, when you started with Giorgio's or, or how, how did you uh, right. fall in love with this caffeinated bean? So, uh, I mean, I've been drinking coffee since I was like five years old. Jeez. Like I just always, Louise, Rich, what the heck? five, it's... No, I'm not even kidding. I, I always wow. wanted to like hang with, with the adults, like, you know, like when everyone got together and I, they had the adults were talking after dessert, like, oh you know, God. I'd see them with their coffee and I always, you know, would want to try what they were trying. So they would give me a little bit of coffee with a lot of milk and sugar. <laughs> and then as I got older and older, the ratio changed, uh, yeah. um, no. you know, to now. Exactly. Um, but in terms of like coffee through for a career type of thing. Yeah. Um, I started back in 2007. I was living in Portland, Oregon, and I basically just needed a job. And, and uh, I was like pursuing music at that time and uh, just moved up from California. I, you know, I just graduated college the year before and was kind of just before jumping into anything. Like I just wanted to like travel and explore a little bit while I had my freedom. Yeah. Um, and they had, pr I knew I liked coffee and I knew they had health insurance. So I was like, all right, I'll, I'll work here. <laughs> um, and that was what I did. And, you know, there, there, I, there was a lot of great learning just in terms of like the systems that they have in place and the way that they're able to provide a consistent experience and like their focus on the customer experience and, you know, all that kind of stuff is, is great. Um, there wasn't really much like coffee knowledge I would say like imparted to me during that time like they have something called the black apron program um but I I kind of started there like when it was like it was one of the times where, like when their stock was way down and like Howard Schultz had to come back on and it was like you know it was a very kind of like hectic and chaotic time with a lot of changes because they had gotten away from their core you know they're they're selling like cds and mm plush dolls, you know, like all the stupid stuff. And I think he like eventually tried to rein all that stuff in. Um, but I didn't honestly learn much about like coffee itself um, hmm. while I was there. But I, you know, you learn the basics, you learn lattes and stuff yeah. and whatever. You know how, learn how to um, pull a shot, pour a, pour a thing, run a drip machine. Yeah. Yeah. So then I had, you know, some turbulent times in my early twenties and, 
meandered around and in and out of coffee a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. And then, um, so next thing I know, I found myself in my mid twenties out in Eastern Long Island and same thing. I needed a job and I knew I liked coffee and I found a job at a local coffee roastery and like because of my prior work experience, like my first shift there, I like fit right in and everything was great. And, um, that was the first place where I, you know, in the back of the store, they had the roastery and that was my first time ever seeing a coffee roaster and seeing the burlap bags and the green coffee and seeing, you know, one bag says Guatemala and one bag says Colombia and, you know, and just seeing all that and that, kind of got me started with it. Um, but you know, they were were a little more like old school, um, you know, so they are more like commercial style coffees. So like, again, like everything was roasted a little darker and it was like, you weren't really getting the nuance from the different coffees. It was like when you roast darker, you're getting more of like the roast character and how that shapes it. Yeah. Um, so again, like, yeah, yeah, so like you, you know, there you would see like, oh, they have Costa Rica, Terrazu, they have, you know, Ethiopia, that, you know, whatever. Like you, would, that was like you, I would see that, but then when you try to taste them side by side, like there was not Very much like yeah. separating. Yeah, and then um, why even someone go got the me, trouble if you're gonna burn the shit out of it, right? <laughs> exactly. So then someone someone got me a bag, or like it was like a sample pack of green beans from Sweet Maria's in Ooh. Oakland. And they're like a home green coffee supplier. Um, I bought a like a little popcorn popper, and I was <laughs> renting a house with these guys. And like they used to call me Richie Coffee Beans, and I would go in the bathroom <laughs> and roast coffee in the bathroom with the exhaust fan on, and go brew it on my Mister Coffee or my French press. Um, yeah, yeah, you know. And but and that was where I started to like learn. And then through that journey, I you know started googling stuff, and I found Giorgio. Um, and at that point I had gotten good with like latte art and like, you know, locked in a lot more on the barista side of things. So then I would show up and, um, he obviously knew way more about coffee than I did. Um, but I actually had the edge on drink preparation. So like Mm. I, my, I think everyone, like, I can't tell you how many times people come in and say, Oh, I want you to teach me to roast. And I never did that. What I do is every time I came in, I showed up with, a present is like, I would bring a good milk pitcher and like, Hey, you, you should use this milk pitcher. The one you have sucks. <laughs> or I'd bring in, you know, something else or like, you know, and I, so I tried to like offer some type of value to them. Um, and then eventually like they started inviting me back and like, Hey, do you want to taste these coffees or, you know, whatever. And the next thing I knew I was like on my days off driving an hour and a half to Farmingdale and worked for, green coffee beans like i would i would help them out all day and not even for money like they would just let me drink coffee all day and then at the end of the day he'd throw me you know a couple pounds and i could pick two different coffees that he had and um at that point i'd purchased like a better home roaster and i you know started getting into that and i built my own cupping table which is like um, cupping is a way that you evaluate green coffees um so if you i'll share a picture of my kitchen back then but it was Thankfully I had good roommates and our, our, like what would have been a dining room essentially was like a coffee shop. Um, I had two, I had a sample roaster. I had a one kilo production roaster in there. I had a refractometer for measuring uh, coffee extractions. I had a a rotating cupping table, like a million different brewing (laughs) contraptions, a $2,000 coffee grinder. Um, which, and which, was like was, a little mad which one was it back then? Uh, the one that we're still using in the shop, and we just wow. ordered another one. It's uh, it's by a company called Malconig, and it's the yeah. EK43. Oh, the EK. Okay. Um, yeah. I've, I've drooled over yeah. that online a few times. <laughs> yeah. I got mine for $900. Oh, I, my God. <laughs> yeah. Dang. That's it was, it was the early days. It was, it was before it, it caught fire. You know, wow. everyone, now everyone knows about them, but. Oh yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Um, so yeah, your, your apartment's straight coffee haven, right? You're, you're doing home roasting. You got a kilo commercial, uh, roaster. You got a $2,000 grinder and a refractometer. So 
you're pull, you're pulling shots. You have an espresso machine, or are you doing pour over at this time? What you know? I was. What were you doing? I'm into filter coffee. Filter um, coffee. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's my still the core of what I love. Like I, I love cupping coffees, and, and I love filter coffee because to me, like you, it gives you the best balance of like what that coffee is. Like 100%. I enjoy espresso, yeah. but the way I look at it is like being at a concert, and like espresso is you're in the front row, right in mm. front of the the giant PA speakers. So it's like you're getting like punched in the face with that. And then to me, like when you get to filter coffee, it's like you know you pick that perfect spot like kind of a few rows back in the center where you get the right sound balance and it's not too loud you're not right. it's not too quiet like everything's perfect um and that to me like a good cup of filter coffee is like gives you that yeah man. um so yes yeah, so i was doing all mainly filter that's really a lot right. of pour no overs dripping, and stuff huh? um yeah i i i would say back then it was like 99 percent um pour overs okay and but I did eventually get a Mocha Master, which I still have and use and love. So um, I keep but, hearing, you know. I keep hearing that. Uh, what makes the Mocha Master so good? I mean, for a drip machine, obviously that's the way to go, right? I've just been trained to hear that and kind of regurgitate it. What makes the Mocha Master uh, better than any other drip machine for the money? Uh, I mean, I think there are more quality machines now than there used to be. So I, I don't know if it's as head and shoulders above, but for me, it's the simplicity and the consistency. It's, um, you know, with the, the Mocha Master, like there's no alarm on it. There's no setting a timer. Like it, there's an on button and there's like a hot plate button and that's it. You can't, you um, can't fuck it up, basically. <laughs> yeah, it's just you, if you, you know, and, and for us, like we brew the same batch size. We test all of our coffees, all of our roasts on the Mocha Master. Um, again, just because of how consistent it is with brewing um sure. you know it, there's no pump in it so it actually the water will not flow through unless it's the right temperature because it's the the heat the way it's designed um when it gets the right temperature it pulls the water up through like a copper coil huh. and dispenses it out onto the bed of grounds and so it really so is foolproof it's foolproof they last forever like everyone i know that has one has had one for a long time with minimal to no issues yeah, I'll, um, I'll add, you know, you have to do some some maintenance, but yeah. I'll add that I have. Go my, ahead, Charles. I'll, have, I'll add that I have my original one still. Golly. I've upgraded, but my original one's still working, and I must have had that since George and Rich told me to get it five or six or seven years ago. Wow, and it's still running strong. Still running, huh? and I'll I'll add that before that, maybe five years before that, I had a Bonavita, which is another SCAA Specialty Coffee Association of America rated machine, and I was not consistent. So to Rich's point about the consistency, I would make a killer pot of coffee. Same weight, same water, same te- everything else. Switched to a different coffee, and I would not get a great pot out of it. Mm. I actually brought the machine into Giorgio. He brought it home with him and was messing around at home, and he's like, this machine's great, except you need to adjust for each different coffee Ooh. ratio of water yeah. to grinds, yeah. and I've never had that issue with the Mocha Master. It's idiot-proof. Wow. It's consistent. So it's actually pulling up the water into the grinds and won't let it, and it's not pumping for whatever through reason, the, I can't speak to the, the mechanics. Machine, yeah, so, I can't speak to the mechanics. I can only tell you. I mean, it just makes sense, right? I the mean, the other one was a nice machine, but I was inconsistent doing nothing differently than I'm doing now, and now I don't have that consistency issue. Gotcha. So, gotcha. I'll add that much. So, I will say, I I just purchased. Uh, it's a company called Simply Good Coffee, and it's basically a, a Mocha Master knockoff. <laughs> uh, you know, it looks like a Mocha Master. The one thing that's different, it has something called a bloom feature. Mm. So you can press that on, and then it will it will pump some water and then wait 30 seconds. It's kind of like a pre-infusion um, on an espresso machine. Exactly. Um, you know, or the way you would do a bloom on a pour-over. Yeah, um, yeah. And I have to say, so far, so good. It's making really good coffee. Um, I'm not yet going to recommend it to everyone because I want to test the, the durability and the long, longevity. But sure. I think for people, you know, like I want to find another option. A lot of people balk when you, when they see how much the Mocha Masters cost. So I don't want that to be like uh, a, a block from someone getting into brewing better coffee at home. So if, if I can find a machine that's a little more affordable that I think, you know, brews good coffee simply and will last, then I'm happy to recommend yeah. that as well. Well, if you're into specialty coffee, you're it's safe to say that you don't – probably have a problem throwing down some cash for something that's going to last a long time and deliver exactly what you want every time. 
So the Mocha Master. You shouldn't. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know. And I like it, I like the I, name. You know, everyone's the, in a different spot of the knockoff Mocha Master because one of the better espresso machines or a decent espresso machine for for home for home use. And I yeah. just like that simplicity <laughs> in the naming. It seems it seems to be uh, you know that sim- simplistic name style seems to be catching on in the coffee world. Um, so let's talk a little bit about extraction. When you when you're when you were working your way through these beans and and really nerding out at at, at your apartment, what was there like a eureka moment for you when you're like, oh shit, I got it. This is this is how you do it. Um, I wouldn't say like a eureka moment, but definitely to me it was getting the refractometer. Um, was probably like my the biggest step and i was like really early on like i didn't know very few shops even had a refractometer let alone random people um (laughs) you know everything was like it was just you know it's hard when there's like a new technology like there's a lot of pushback and a lot of people that yeah, I don't need a machine to tell me like how I'm brewing my coffee. Like, like the Weber and, and at the end of the going on right now, the Weber shakers. Just yeah, and espresso machine, <laughs> espresso can And uh, you know, at the end of the day, it, it, it's a sensory experience, and it, it is true. Like, if your if your coffee tastes good, then you have good coffee. Like, if you're happy with it, then by all means. Right. But for me, like that was where I truly started to like understand the way it works. So yeah, um, walk and, me and, through because I've never worked with or around a refractometer. Um, you you kind of you kind of have me wanting to get one now, <laughs> but but what it what is it what does it do and and why is it important to your to your coffee roasting and, and extraction? So it it me- it gives you a reading of total dissolved solids. The so basically it tells you like how much of the coffee made it from the grinds into oh, your beverage. Okay. So you're taking a reading prior and post. Uh, extraction yeah so essentially um like i actually just measured my pour over that i'm drinking right now so (laughs) for this one this was the pink bourbon i used uh 22.7 grams i weighed out 23 but i got 22.7 and didn't feel like adding more i did a 1 to 17 ratio um i'm using these new uh seabrus filters which are they're basically it's like a it, whatever the material is made out of, it's like a paper filter that allows the water to flow through like a lot quicker. I so essentially you can grind. Hyro V60 paper the filters. Yeah, the Hario, the Hario V60 uh, paper filter. It seems to get gummed up, man. It seems to have a longer yeah, time I mean, through. Is that pretty Yeah, long? they're not, they're, yeah, they're not known for being the fastest, um, which again, so then you have to grind a little coarser, which is going to, Affect your extraction. Have your yeah, it's gonna have your extraction go down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. all that stuff. So you can the Seabrus are not cheap, but they're worth experimenting with. There's actually like a ton of brands right now that you can use. Like uh, Cafec, C A F E C is another one that makes like they literally make different papers for like different roast levels. They have like light roast papers, medium roast, dark roast. Wow. Um, they have all different materials. So like you, you definitely can go on a, <laughs> on a, on a rabbit hole just with, just with the papers alone. <laughs> um, but back to, back to the extraction. Um, so essentially I'm grinding finer to, which gets more, you know, makes the coffee more soluble um, or, you know, more surface areas. So I can extract more. Um, and then the Seabrus, filters allow it to happen in a faster time so it's not taking forever to happen so i can right. you know so you i'm not really like control getting your, those like your grind fine and and still getting that extraction without being gummed up by your paper filter that's exactly yeah and then i'm using and then i'm using like a like less coffee more water but um yeah, so one, that one is going to give you a, a higher high to me yeah so now and there's like kind of where the secret is and where the industry is kind of trending on the lighter roasted coffees like you're not going to want to do this if you're if you're brewing dark roasts one to 11 one to 14 one to 15 like you know you want to kind of use more coffee because it's yeah. way easier to get those bitter notes and that like over extracted like smoky which if like some people might like the coffee like that but generally like to the sweet spot on like a darker roast or even mediums you want to 
you don't want to push the extraction too high. Sure. Um, but like with, with the lighter roast, you can kind of do that. And if it's like developed well and you have even uh, extraction happening, then you can kind of push that number up without getting flavors you don't like. Sure. Sure. So what are you looking for uh-huh. when you're when you're dialing in a coffee? So you say, say you get, uh, for an example, you said you, you did the pink bourbon. Um, if you were doing the Ethiopian, the one, the, the, the most recent Ethiopian you guys did, what would you... The gargari, the gar- yeah. How would you approach extraction? Because that I, I just kind of have my freaking fellow grinder set to a certain number that I enjoyed on this grind, and then <laughs> it's like I'm just gonna let her eat. You know, I'm using the Hyro V60. I always pour over. Typically, here lately it's been espresso, nice. but when I do the Hyro V, it's always pour over. It's always paper filter. Always moisten the filter. Always, always let it bloom. I'm, I'm. I feel like I'm doing the steps. But for some reason, the consistency isn't isn't there, and I think it has a lot to do with what you're explaining the grind size and maybe going finer on the light roast that you guys nail almost you know every time that I that that, that I bought beans from you. Um, ha- walk me through how the the theory and and the thought process moving forward in all right. What's the goal here? How are we going to make it better, and how are we going to dial it in? Oof. All right. Um... So the first thing is that fix me, Rich. Fix me. Yeah. Keep. (laughs) keep, Well, I would say the first thing is to keep it simple. Um, Don't don't overthink it. Mm -hmm. Um, And essentially, like the way I was taught, there's like six key variables that you're in control of to varying degrees that affect how your cup of coffee tastes. Wow. So like the the number one in all at in all forms of brewing coffee, but. In this case, yes, pour over. So, um, I mean, I've, and this isn't one of the factors, but it's the biggest one is obviously like picking the right coffee for what you like. So, like yeah. if you if you don't like fruity Ethiopian coffees, like you're not gonna get a coffee that you like out of you know, like a mm-hmm. cup that you like out of that coffee. So, like it starts with you need to pick a coffee that you want that has flavor characteristics that you want. And some people love light roast, bright coffee some people hate that some people like really dark coffee so like it's not listening to the noise and finding out what you actually like would be step one but then within that once you found the coffee that you like like assuming you enjoy the fruity ethiopians we're gonna we'll start with that the six kind of variables like the number one thing is ratio which is um your coffee to water ratio that's like a huge huge factor in how your cup is going to come out the next thing is grind particle size. Um, so that, you know, like you were saying with your grinder, it's like if you go a little too coarse, a little too fine, that's going to obviously affect how everything goes. Uh, your brew time. So you want to kind of target a certain brew time. Um, and if it takes too long, you need to adjust your grind. If it goes too fast, that means you're probably too coarse. have to adjust your grind. Uh, the next thing is water temperature. Um, you know, it, two degrees on your kettle isn't going to make a big difference, but like, you know, if you're brewing at 185 or 190 versus 205, you're definitely going to taste a difference there. Sure. Um, the next thing is turbulence, which is, you know, any type of agitation that you do. So that could be some people like swirl the V60, you know, like mm-hmm. in between each pour, some people like stir, stir it with it, a spoon. Yeah. Um, but even just like how you pour the water from the kettle, like if you're, if you're like moving your hand up and down closer and farther away, like that's going to be very different with how the, the coffee extracts versus if you're pouring from a consistent height. Yeah. And if you pour from close to the coffee bed, that's going to be different and agitate differently than if you're a foot away from the coffee bed, like yeah. all of that yeah. is, you know, affects it. And then the last thing, which um, is a whole other world is like your, your water quality. So like, you know, it's probably something that people think the least about, hmm. um, but definitely has an impact. So, so would, like, you, would you suggest like a BWT filter kind of coffee or would you go distilled and then have the additive? Um, I've experimented with, with everything. Like I have the these things called the Lotus Drops where you can kind of, you know, it comes with like a shaker bottle and you can add, come up with your own ratios. Uh, there's like a, a maybe six or seven companies at this point now doing like packets, like third wave water that you can mix in. Um, 
you know, but even for me, I just got like a nice carbon water filter and, and I, that's what I use mainly at the house. And then if I feel like being nerdy, I'll, I'll make my own water with the Lotus drops, nice. but um, it's definitely something that you can look at. Like if you're, if you know, everything else is, is dialed in and something's still off, that could be like that final thing that maybe, maybe like your water is too hard and that's like make not making the coffee taste good or maybe, you know, more just than some element is off. It's probably something else. If you, if you, unless, unless yeah, you, like, you got it dialed in like you do. <laughs> I mean, it's like, yeah, uh, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, you know, to me, like drink the water, having a water preference at this point, you know, <laughs> I haven't moved the dial on my fellow Odin a hot minute. That's probably where I'll start. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and and you shouldn't have to like you know i mean ethiopia's though are they do tend to draw down slower like i think they produce more fines at the same grind setting compared to other coffees like ethiopians tend to be like notorious for that um so that is one one origin where you might want to do a couple, like one or two clicks coarser and see how that goes yeah. and, and to call back a little bit about i was talking about the weber shaker uh, that seems to create a finer or a better extraction with espresso because the idea is that those fines get um, kind of in, in, the, in the shaking process, no more than like five seconds shaking in the Weber uh, um, um, shaker. But it seems like those fines will reattach to the larger, coarser, uh, bits of coffee, and I think that's a theory as to why the extraction's better because those fines kind of get absorbed back into the bigger, uh, coarser grind, and also the act of like shaking it around kind of creates a little bit of static and 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 kind of encourages that 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 those fines to stay with those coarser grinds. Yeah, I, I did watch his video. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, but it's like two weeks old, so I think there's a lot of research and trial and error that people need to make. And hundred percent, yeah, know, I'm, I, I'm I think not married to the yeah. idea, and it's it's hard for me to to pull the trigger on an eighty dollar gra- or eighty dollar shaker. <laughs> but I mean, if it makes that big a difference, because I've been a WDT guy for ever since I started and it's not been that long. Like it's only been a few months mm-hmm. that I've been, been pulling espresso shots and, and fucking up latte art. But, um, any little bit that I can get from, you know, from, from what information is available, man, I'm going to be here for it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. We have, we don't have the, the Weber, but we have, it, it's like a kind of like a grind dosing cup and we've experimented a little bit because of Lance Hedrick's video yeah. and just done our own trial and error. Um, for us, it hasn't been enough to like necessarily implement on every single shot. Well, that's another, um, in the shot, too, but right? we, for, with our single origin shots, we definitely are more experimental with our approach. So like sure. that's with those coffees, like they tend to be brighter and sweeter and stuff like that. And, um, same thing. We're will- like, for those, we're willing to do every little thing to make them taste as good as we can. With our house espresso, it's kind of like we're going for that traditional chocolatey, smooth coffee. And we like, you know, we have it pretty well dialed at this point. So we're like, if it until, until we, yeah, like until we come up with a workflow and if like, if it really makes that big of a difference, then we would incorporate it in some, some way. Yeah. No, no um, I'm not, I, I'm not asking you guys to change your, <laughs> your, your, yeah. your, your whole workflow because of Lance Hendricks video. Uh, but, but it's really cool getting into this hobby because you can have so many variables and it's, it's such a cool hobby for tinkerers. You seem like a tinkerer. You seem like somebody that, that would obsess over something for, for until you fucking nail it. Right. I mean, it seems to me like you've, you've, you've done that. <laughs> so it yeah. seems like we share I'm, a little, I'm a little, OCD. yeah, <laughs> but, but, uh, so a little bit more on the grinding aspect of, of, of extraction. When do you, when do you know how to dial it, dial it up or dial it down? Um, when, when do you, when do you start making adjustments to your grind profile? Um, me almost never, uh, kind of like you, like once I find my settings for, if, like once I know, like if I'm using a V60 and I'm using 22 grams and I find that setting, like it's pretty much 
locked in on there. So like, I don't find myself jumping settings all too often. Um, again, to me, the, the biggest thing really is like the right ratio for the roast profile. Um, and then just like being consistent with my technique and then sure. like a, if like 90% of coffees behave really well and brew well with that ratio and that technique, then I know I'm good. And right. so you kind of like you, how you have your recipe, you have your technique, want, you know, have your go-to make the coffee that way. And then if, if it's not coming out the way you want, then you're going to start to look at kind of those variables that I mentioned and be like, okay, like, am I like pouring weird or like, does it taste, you know, over extracted? Does it taste like too acidic? And then you can start to look at ways that you can change, um, you know, what you're doing to, you know, to kind of move it a little bit in the direction that you want. Um, but again, this is all assuming the, the number one biggest thing, which is that the coffee that you are attempting to brew yeah, do you like it, motherfucker? Has what you want inside <laughs> of it, um, because it, it's back to that. Like, if you know, if you get a dark roast Sumatra coffee from Starbucks, and you're like, "Oh, why doesn't it taste sweet?" Mm-hmm. Well, you got the wrong coffee. Yeah, um, yeah, and they're likely macro <clears throat> macro roasted. They, they're probably you know probably beat the hell on the machine too. So it's you know not not really taken care of like you guys do at Giorgio's. Um, let's talk a little bit about the water temperature during your, during your extraction. Like, um, um, would you, would it be a higher temperature for a lighter roast and a lower temperature for darker roast? I think that's what I recall you saying earlier. Exactly. Okay. Yep. And you're only going Perfect. from around 95, 195 to, to 205, really? Yeah. Uh, if, um, I'll go hotter if I'm doing a really light roast. Okay. Okay, and, and I know I can handle it. Visual cues. If if you didn't roast it yourself, you can, you can basically look at it and be like, yeah, oh, just look at the is. look at the beans and all you know, knowing who you're buying from, and just all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but yeah, just just take a look at at the coffee itself, and you'll see. Okay, so higher for lighter, lower for for darker. Perfect. So um, yeah, man. Um, I, these relationships that you build with these, with these farms, man, all around the world, it's, it's really cool to, to kind of have, uh, it would be cool to have some insight on, on how those relationships are are developed and, and how you, you guys are, are, are getting these killer beans. I mean, you guys had an Ethiopian to round out the year last year and that was stupid. Uh, the, the, the Ugandan that, that you guys did for us, the, the wash natural and, uh, uh, honey process was 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 insane. It was really cool. I can't wait to do that again with, with some people We're trying to drum up interest here. But, <laughs> dude, uh, to please tell yeah, me how, how you guys um, you know develop these relationships and keep them going and um, and and what's exciting for for the future for us. Yeah. So again, we're we're like a small. We're a very small operation. Um, we do everything out of uh, basically a thousand square foot retail roasting space. Wow. Um, so, so we re- definitely rely heavily on our importing partners. Sure. Um, and you know, we, so again, Giorgio has been doing this a long time. Um, and you know, back in the day, like the SCA shows like used to be super, super important, like before the internet really took off and all that kind of stuff. And you just like kind of meet people with the same, uh, vision that you have. And, um, you, you know, you find bought, like green coffee buyers that, you know, like, again, have the same vision, have the same values and have the same goals that you do. And then, you know, that they're working consistently with the same farms and we basically build the relationships that way. Um, that's how we do it is, you know, we try to carry from the same places year after year and we know like that they're doing consistent quality. And then within that, like, um, you know, they might explore a new partnership and then we get to try it and we really like it. And then we bring that on and then we try to, again, just provide that consistency to our customers um, with the ones that we know are good year after year. And then also uh, remain open to, you know, new farms and, and new farmers that um, are brought to us. Yeah. Um, and we're, you know, long term, like we're looking to do more trips, like essentially like with the importers and be able to go down and during uh you know the 
pre-shipping essentially like be able to um build the lots together that we want make our like sign our contracts and do all our commitments down there and then still use the exporter importers to mitigate the risk from mm. origin to our door because sure. um, you know it's a, a container of coffee is 37,500 pounds so if you, you know if you're for us, like that's unabsorbable. Um, like if something goes wrong, we're, so like you, you need a lot of liquid capital to be in the green coffee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah part yeah, of yeah. the of the chain, um, you know. It, but again, we kind of sketchy. I mean, you're in countries that aren't always friendly to motherfuckers like us. You know, what I'm saying? like. Well, the the old saying is, you get a racehorse in the front and a donkey out the back. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's hilarious man it's, so it seems you, pretty wild. you know you get a sample and you're like oh wow this is amazing this yeah. is a 90 point coffee like i'm gonna pay you this price and then yeah. it shows up and Yeehaw. you open the sacks and there's like hay in there and you're like oh well, what am i gonna do like go yeah. fly to kenya and and uh <laughs> And, and even at that, I, I think, you know, last time we were checking, we're rejecting something like 90% of the samples that get sent to us. Wow. So, so your rejection rate's high. Super high. And wow. we have the ability to do that. Yeah. Which is kind of like what our model is. Have, have you gotten any recent racehorses in the front and donkeys in the back? I'll let Rich speak to that, but <laughs> certainly, certainly in the cupping process and the sampling process, most of them are no's. Yeah. But that's just because of how, where we are and what we're trying to do. Sure. Sure. Um, and what we were saying earlier, like a lot of this is relationships. Giorgio has been doing this long enough and he's been involved long enough where he was doing this with some of the high-end farms before this latest blow-up of like high-end specialty coffee in the last yeah. whatever it is, 10 or 15 years. He was buying from Hacienda Las Morelda where you had the geishas from that you loved mm. when they were already getting popular, but they weren't like it is now where most of their stuff goes to auctions at a ridiculous amount of money yeah. per pound per kilo. Um and he was buying from them direct early in the game. He was buying early from 90-plus coffee before they became outrageously expensive and now own their own. Yeah, farms. all the cup of excellence. Yeah, he was at the front end of this for a small little mom-and-pop shop. Wow. Competing with the big boys doing buying. That's wild. And we see that. And there's a lot of uh, – that transfers a lot into whiskey as well. You have these smaller distilleries that, that need help kind of promoting their product and then um, sell, sell local – guys around here a bunch of barrels every year and then all of a sudden they get big and they want to expand and then it's like kind of getting shit on from you know being the smaller smaller shop around here and man where, where'd all my barrels go and it's yeah. like well you're allocated one right this year or two this year are you guys having the similar experience with that with the with the coffees or are they taking care of you guys i, th I think that's uh, sorry go ahead rich no you I'd like to hear your thoughts on it. I, th I think that uh, that's an interesting one. So we run into issues as well. Like we're buying different levels of coffee from different vendors and use some of the big boys in the industry and then some of the smaller ones as well. We're actually working more with a one now that's probably more on the specialty side. They don't do a lot of commodity coffee, which mm. is like base coffee. They don't do a lot of that product. And sometimes that relationship can be a little challenging because – they may say that they put a sack or two on the side for you, and then by the time the contract comes, mm. those sacks are gone. Yeah. So, like, your barrel of whiskey was reallocated mm -hmm. to a different store or, yeah. you see what air quotes, was. lost. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think for the most part, you know, and again, our buying power may not be what some of the other people they're used to dealing with are, but we do buy all the time, and we're buying, and, and I think people have – our suppliers now know, and some of the farms we do direct buy from, like Hacienda Las Esmeralda, there's no middleman. We're we're filling out bills of lading, and it's getting shipped directly by air from Panama. You're fucking paying for it too. You How are. much was that a kilo? Uh, a lot, and that's their <laughs> cheapest products. Rich, what? what's uh, what's Esmeralda go for? Their top lots at auction? Uh, well, we're not getting their cheapest product. It's their um, but yeah, their their auction level geishas are they go for. Literally over a thousand dollars a pound, oh hundreds to over a thousand, <laughs> and that's Damn. wholesale essentially. Uh, and then and, if they're retailing it, you'd have to retail for more than that. Right, right. But are are these people that are getting these like specialty coffee places, or are they fucking like people with popcorn roasters? Like who's getting? Beats me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It would seem sacrilegious. I, to, I think it's to, to yeah. put it in a popcorn roaster, I, but at the I same think time, it's like generally it's these? like big, it's massive companies that. Um, from my understanding that they buy them and then they uh, roast them and give them to like their top clients, right, essentially. Right. Okay. Very so it doesn't really see public 
consumption too often. I would um, shit some if of they it put does, it in a but... fucking Mr. Coffee. Jesus, could you imagine? <laughs> no, I don't think that's happening. <laughs> I certainly hope thanks, not. Thanks, yeah. but, but so I, I don't know. So I, I think getting back to the question, I think it, it's really dependent and you do try to build the relationships up. Now, we may have a larger vendor that we think we're not getting great service from and we may be able to take some of that business to a different vendor that's more willing to cater to what we're looking for yeah. and be a little more responsive to our requests. Yeah. So it's it's just like any other supply game, you know, and it's there are multiple vendors and there's, you know, for us in New York, you know, it's we're trying it's harder to say let's buy a pallet full of coffee of 10 sacks from California. The shipping's more expensive, it takes right. longer. So there's there's major ports, New Jersey, California, Houston, New Orleans. So for, for usually for most of the product that's coming in by boat. So it, right. I think it's dependent, but there's options out there. And we never, you know, there's actually two accounts, I'd say, that we're two suppliers that we're now doing a little more with in the last year or so or two years than we w may have been doing before. And and that's because we can get the stuff that we're really looking for, which is our bread and butter stuff, above our base, always available coffees, but maybe still at an approachable price point before our yeah. super top-end luxury stuff that's Man, very Fan Ace Blend is solid. I mean, y'all's blends, I, are you doing those, Rich? Are you and Giorgio working together on that? Because those blends are fantastic. I'm, I'm fucking spoiled those, for Yeah, those, I those are setting stones. <laughs> but, the, man, hey, I fuck with them blends now. Uh, I don't order it a lot because I'm always trying to get that next fucking, you know, different thing. And I'm, and I'm still developing my palate for coffee as well. So I'm always trying to, like, reach that other other side or whatever it is. But, Man, I I can't remember. I think you gave me a blend of Fades, and yeah. it was just I'm like, I mean, what, what, what am I doing with all these? But you know, I'm all over the place. But man, this is a really solid product here. Something for everybody. Yeah, a hundred percent. So I can see why that's important. But do you get? Did you guys see any change in 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 treatment from from you know being an OG buyer, even even for a small mom and pop? Because I want to hear the the romanticized. Oh no, they still take care of us with the bag hither and thither. But I mean, is that really happening with you guys or what? Uh, Rich, yeah, I'm, I I think Charles summed it up pretty well. Um, what I would say is like it just it's different on a case by case basis. But like obviously, like he like he mentioned, like someone like ninety plus, um, they've grown, evolved, they've changed their business model. Like the, you know they started they were bringing in a lot of coffees from ethiopia like we had the one the beloya that like blew everyone away um the guy took a huge chance and bought a big farm in panama and turned it into a strictly geisha farm wow. and and he also like does all these crazy fermentation experiments and all that stuff so like he took on a lot of risk it's worked out for him um and Man, yeah, uh, you, you know, his obviously he can through. command, yeah, and like he his he can command like insane prices, and like for us, like our core thing is like we need to bring value to our customers. So like, what what I would say happens even with the people that we feel like do treat us well, it's like for some of the coffees, like they want you to just sign on blind without tasting it. And our thing is like, what makes us different is that, and yeah. I think like the most powerful thing we have is that we seriously like analyze every coffee before we make a decision to buy it, to buy it and bring it in. So for us, like we're not yeah. just going to blindly, yeah, like uh, just send me that. We'll take it, you know, because like for us, we know that people work hard for their money and we want you to know that like, you know, we're not just buying random stuff. Like everything has been tested and, and confirmed that it's something that we want to put our, our name and our brand on. Um, yeah, that's so, so like we'll we'll miss we'll miss out on some coffees that could be really good, but um, again for us it's I'd rather do that than uh, just randomly be buying coffees that someone says like this yeah. is good because everyone says their coffee is good. Oh yeah. So for yeah, yeah. for us it's important. Beats the hell to, out of Folgers. You know, <laughs> no. Yeah, and and again like Charles said that that's why it's important to have these relationships and to build the relationships because then. Yeah people know like what we're trying to do and then, and they'll, they know, if, you know, that we're serious and if they send us a sample and it's good and the coffee costs a lot of money, we don't care. Like we'll, we'll buy it. And, and I think that's something people don't like, you know, are, we try to have stuff available for all people, light, medium, maybe a darker too. We tend to drink light. That's fine. 
we I tend to drink stuff that's more be more on the higher end of the pricing scale. But I think people don't also realize like, oh, that's an expensive coffee. I'm like, we may have paid double or triple what most other vendor, most other coffee roasters are paying for their coffee just to bring it in. So yeah, it's more expensive because we're we're literally playing the supplier and the farmers two to three times what most right. people expect like base coffee to cost by pound on the wholesale side. Right. So you know, and since we've gotten more involved here, and, and I think I've mentioned these Mossack without naming other companies. Um, in the last two years, we've had several coffees at other high-end, very well-known national, third wave, second wave plus, fourth wave, whatever the newest wave is, shops that everyone's heard of have had same lots, same roast levels, and for significantly less cost to our to our customers in there. And we're able to do that where maybe they can't. But right. certainly, like, there's been products that we know we're, we're doing really well on the pricing for our customers. Right. And if they were to find that at another well, well-known well national level third-wave coffee roaster, and we're beating them by easy 20 or 30%. And I can't fucking validate spending the more money on something that you guys are just fucking murdering. And and it's always, hey, we order from everybody. We still order from a bunch of uh, third-wave places. We just, ha- we just had some stuff from one of the ones in Portland that I like. Um, our staff went to downtown Brooklyn. Uh, last weekend to try another well-known like high-end third wave i think third wave right rich roastery and then another cafe that's a multi-roaster and they did brought back a bunch of bags and we're sampling everything as part of it to see where we're at and quite frankly the and this is from people with better palates than mine the universal response was we are there or better tasting and and i'm not being a homer saying this it's just blindly even as a blind like these are good but they're not better than what we're doing and they're charging way more money that they have a better known brand absolutely and i don't go out of my way to like try to get other coffees just to just to see where you guys are at i mean i'm so happy with the product that you guys deliver consistently and i don't feel the need to go anywhere i'm a loyal customer in in that but I, i also will see something from third, fourth wave, you know, coffee roasters. Ooh, slide into that. And then I spend $35, and it's like- Freight ounces. Fuck, man. <laughs> like, I'm just- well, This is why I stay with fucking, with Giorgio's, man. You guys are nailing it. I'm, I love I love the textures that I get out of it. Everything, the profiles is is on the on point. You're Colombians, man. I just gotta, I just gotta say, I know you're not a big Colombian fan. I like them. I just prefer my I, personal direction is somewhere I else. Well, you have a new one to try that I just brought I you today. Wait. I can't wait to dial that bitch in. And I, this is kind of giving me a lot to think about as far as like being, having this espresso machine, this, this expensive setup just to do espresso. And I've been drinking a lot more milk. Man, I want to take I want to take a half a step back with with this Colombian and get back to pour overs because I miss it. I miss that simplicity of that that that. I mean, yeah, it's simple, but no, it's not. There's six layers of the of of things that you can control, as Rich was describing, and to to really dial in that that part of extraction to me is just so it's fucking it's fucking awesome. This is a cool hobby, and and my pilot's not as advanced as Rich's or Giorgio's by far. Same way, I defer to you and Kenny for for whiskey, um, but I and I, I do have a similar take on it. Generally speaking, to Rich is a much more entry level version, which is I get flavor out of espresso and I like it. But I get more flavor and more enjoyment out of a black coffee that's well done through a pour over or Chemex, whatever it may be, than I would as much on the espresso. And I'm sure part of that is also, like Rich's point about sitting in the front row or sitting 10 rows back centered, which was great, right? And I'd rather be 10, six, eight rows back centered in the concert and like, and it, it's going to wash over you a little bit slower, but it, yeah. you'll get there, you know. Sure beats the but, hell out of listening to it from the parking lot, you know what I mean? I mean, <laughs> Mr. Coffee. At, at this price point, <laughs> we're going to be inside the arena. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, so, a little bit about um, what, what you guys got coming, coming, coming in the future, man. We're rounding out about an hour here. What do you guys? Uh, what What's exciting, Rich and and Charlie here for the future of Giorgio's this year? A lot. Um, I'll just say our, we have a coffee release. We're going to do like a limited release coming up fairly soon. Um, very small amount that we got, but it's going to be a tasting set. Uh, it's oh, yeah. a washed, washed Gesha from Colombia, oh. um, which is kind of like that really sweet, floral, bright, citric, like just super clean, super tasty, super drinkable coffee wow. um, paired with another Colombian coffee that, uh, again, is experimentally processed. Um, it's, it's a triple, 
triple fermented um, but washed anaerobic coffee. But they uh, during one of the stages, he actually sourced uh, American hops oh. and infused that with the cherries. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's hard to describe what this coffee tastes like. Um, it's Man, it's hey, wild. when you have one of those um, days and you don't know whether to drink a coffee or a beer, hey, we got you. Giorgio's got well, you. Yeah, exa- <laughs> and, exactly. You know, it's funny because coffee cocktails are all the rage right now, so we've got to get yeah. more involved with that. Uh, one of our staff members is also now a bartender, so we may need to work on some yeah. of those drinks. Um, but to that point, Rich, I got to make sure I get we, – uh, we work sometimes with a very high-end brewery that's close by that uses our coffee and their stouts. Other half. Root and Branch. Root and Branch. Yeah, okay. super high-end. Right on. Uh, they're actually probably past other half at this point with Ooh, trendy wee. New England hazy IPAs. Mm-hmm. But uh, the master brewer and owner, I already texted him. He's like, I need to try that coffee when it's oh, roasted Lord. and available. I'm like, we don't have enough for you to do a batch with, but you know, certainly I'll get you a pound <laughs> to drink it. You know, yeah, so I got to make sure that's on the side. Man, I'm so stoked. And 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 to talk a little bit about price, this reminded me of when you say a pound. It's actually when you ship it out. It's not. It's just under a pound, right? Yes, we, we do twelve ounces like everyone so 12, else does. Hundred yeah. percent. And I, I'm here for well, that. Whatever, whatever. I should fine. say, by the way, sorry, let me interrupt you, but most of these high end places aren't even doing twelve ounces. Not even anymore. doing they're yeah. eight ounces. Yeah, they're eight, eight or tens. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're, that's tough. But for me, I know that I can get right at eleven cups of coffee if I'm going 40, 40 grams to four fifty. Right? And that's what I think people don't. I think people overlook that when they see a price on a, pound, a bag of coffee, even a twelve ounce bag. To your point, like they see it's X amount of dollars. Well, really do the math because you're making this at home. You're not getting it in a store to mm-hmm. go. You're, if the bag, if the twelve ounce bag costs twenty or thirty dollars, you're still paying. A dollar fifty to two dollars a cup, right? Like it's not an outrageous right. amount of, you know. Even high dollar coffee yeah. is still like a five dollar cup of coffee. Right. Even a Starbucks, you can't get, you can't walk out of that month like a less than seven dollars. That's correct. You know, and it's, it's mostly milk and very dark roast coffee. Very, very, yeah. Even their light roast is they're blondes. Blonde. They're, they're not light anymore. Plus. They're blondes. Yeah. I like that. I like that uh, that switch of roux on. I'm looking but. forward for the summer because Rich has finally agreed to do some more stuff with Cascara. Which is one of my favorite things that I think is underutilized in the coffee game. Describe more what's going on there. Rich, you want to give him a peek? Yeah, so uh, we, Cascara is the dried fruit from the coffee cherries. So, like um, the coffee beans are the seeds that we roast. Mm-hmm. And the, you know, the husks, the fruit is essentially a byproduct. Um, sometimes I use it to, as fertilizer and put it back in as an input. Um, but some places will actually carefully dry it and then sell it essentially like a tea. Hmm. Um, so we actually just bought a whole bunch of it from Hacienda Esmeralda and we got all the Gesher from, and, uh, we make, uh, a syrup out of it, and then we make a soda with that syrup. <laughs> uh, House cooked syrup. It is my yeah. favorite summer yeah. drink ever over Coffee, ice. Coffee, cherry. So it's syrup. like a lightly sweetened natural cherry tea. Ooh. And it's, I is slug it, through is, them. Is there any caffeine in that one? Oh, yeah, there is. Yeah. The fruit has caffeine, Rich, if not I'm not lot. mistaken, right? Yeah, it does. Okay. Not as much as the coffee, but yeah. definitely. But like a tea, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that yeah, it was exactly. fun because we had some left from a previous vendor we had bought, and we side-by-sided those as well Ooh. and brewed them as like a hot tea, and there was like a noticeable difference between the Esmeralda Geisha fruit, the cherry, the, which had been rehydrated, versus the other one, which was oh, from yeah. another product. Yeah, he, you told me that Rich hates fucking doing it for you. But you That's the drink. Back. That's the drink. <laughs> yeah, okay. I have to ask for him to bring it back every summer nicely. <laughs> Please, because he's got to cook the syrup, right? We're yeah, house making yeah, the syrup yeah. in the back. Yeah, no, I don't, it's um, you know, we need to get one of those like uh, the like a big CO two canister or something. Because <laughs> yeah. our our battle is like always having soda that's not flat. Yeah, it's fair. Uh, so, yeah, it's like, yeah, that's a bummer. So we're working that's on so some good. solutions. That's really, really yeah. But so cool. I, we're trying to do more. So like all the syrups now, and most of the syrups in the shop are house made. House, yeah. House making whipped cream the top on some of the lattes. <sighs> House making the chocolate for the hot chocolate. So like Dang. stuff's getting getting it to that point where we're doing as much as we can to that point. Other options with the cascara fruit, there's other drinks and cocktails that you may be trying to yeah. do. Not alcoholic, but like just coffee drinks right, right, right. for the summer. Some of that will benefit more in, in store, but mm-hmm. there's just a lot of fun stuff to be Man, done. And, and I hate even thinking this, but at the same time, I hope you guys stay exactly. I don't want you not to not grow, Yeah, but I don't want this ruined for you guys. You know what I'm saying? Like, Rapid expansion. I've seen it a hundred times in 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 my industry. 
that is the death of most companies. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, man, you guys have been rocking since, had been the, the 90s. Giorgio started, I think, with his own shingle, right, Rich? Probably 90s, uh, 2007-ish was probably the first location. 2007 is when he Jericho. opened this, Yeah, when he started the company. Yeah, um, But he, I mean, he was years and years deep at he, that point, even with roasting. There's a well-known, uh, you know, 20, 30 location supermarket chain in the Long Island, Metro New York, New Jersey area that's no longer the same ownership group. But when they started, George, everyone loved their coffee program. Giorgio was the one that created the coffee program wow. for them. Before he And where he met his now wife, Lydia, before they hung out their own shingle and opened their own shop up. That's rad. So it was one thing. But that's that's our model, right? Slow and steady. So it's not – And I love that you guys don't here. compromise on, on on just buying ship line. You're no. going to you're gonna blind the, 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 the cherry soda every time. You know. care, care about the product too much. But that's – You know, translates for, for journey drinkers and whiskey. Literally, that's what a cupping session is. If we cup samples, if we're going to buy a sack or 40 pounds or, you know – 150 pounds or a thousand pounds you're basically doing a blind side it, it can be yeah, blind, blind if you want tasting. but it's yeah. but you're you're 100%. cupping through the samples and it's with you know multiple at each step to, to make sure there's no variable and eliminate any imperfections right but it's essentially blinding like you picks. would whiskey yeah, yeah you're doing a you're doing a coffee pick we're doing large <laughs> sacks of coffee picks yeah pretty much except then you get to put your own roast on it and, that's correct and give it a different expression and breathe more life into it which is really fucking cool to me like, it our this own. is this is such a fun hobby. It's been it's been such a cool journey with Giorgio's, and I can't I can't get away from it, man. You guys are you guys are my coffee spot. Thank you very much. Is there anything you wanted to uh, to say, Rich? I know I got you got you over an hour here. Is there anything you wanted to yeah. promote with? Uh, no, I just, just wanted to thank you for having us on, and I'm really happy to hear that you're enjoying the coffee, and it's uh, just another sign that hard work pays off, and um, we're going to just, we're, as we grow, we're actually going to try to just keep getting better. So instead of getting worse, we're going to keep getting better. Man, that's all you can ask keep for. Implementing. Man. Yeah. That's our, that's our mission. Seems like you guys got the, the setup, the people, the passion. I mean, everything's there. Everything's there for you guys. And it's a, the proof's in the pudding, baby. Come on. Anybody want, want to know? Anyone want to fuck around, find out in Lexington area, come on by. I'll, I'll shoot you an espresso shot, make you a latte or do a pour over for you and prove it. There's nothing like Giorgio's, and what they're doing here is fantastic. Gentlemen, thank you very much for for coming on and, and, and sharing your passion with me at Journey Drinkers. And, uh, yeah, wonderful. We'll sign off for that. Thanks for having us. Thank you.